welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 59, The Great Australian Die-Off As Australians prepare for our most divisive national public holiday, Australia Day, it's time for me to revisit a topic that I last discussed around this time last year in two posts, If the COVID-19 Injections Work, Why Are More People Dying, Part 1 and Part 2, and I've linked to those posts in the post accompanying this podcast episode. That topic is the unexplained, or at least officially uninvestigated, increase in excess mortality that has occurred since the rollout of the RNA transfection agents, commonly known as COVID-19 vaccines. This excess mortality is evident in many, if not most, countries around the world that push these transfection agents onto their populations. However, in honour of the day on which this glorious nation was originally founded as a penal colony on which the British Empire could dump the overflow of petty criminals generated by its rapid industrialisation, in this episode I'll be focusing on excess mortality in the land down under. Let's start with defining some terms that will be used throughout this episode. Mortality is the number of deaths for a given area during a given period. Excess mortality refers to an unusual increase in mortality during a specific time period in a given population. Age-standardized death rate, or SDR, is the death rate of a population adjusted to a standard age distribution. It is calculated as a weighted average of the age-specific death rates of the given population. The weights are the age distribution of that population. SDR is useful for comparing mortality in populations which have very different age structures from each other. For example, sub-Saharan African countries have proportionately more young people, while Western European countries have more old people. And it's also useful for comparing mortality in a given population, as its age structure changes over time. The benefit of using excess mortality as a metric to assess the impact of both COVID-19 and the various policy responses to it is that it circumvents the died with COVID versus died from COVID conundrum. While eminently qualified people could and have argued all day over whether infection with SARS-CoV-2 was a major, minor or insignificant contributing factor to the demise of people who are included in the so-called COVID death count, total mortality leaves nothing to argue about. Either one is officially dead, meaning a death certificate has been issued and the death is registered with the jurisdiction central registry and included in national statistics, or one is not. If a population was confronted with a deadly pathogen to which they had no immunity, which was the story we were all told about SARS-CoV-2, we would expect to see mortality increase over baseline at first, as those with the least resistance, the elderly and medically fragile, succumbed. Then, as the population gained immunity to the pathogen, mortality would eventually drop below baseline. This phenomenon is known as mortality displacement, or the harvesting effect. The deaths of many people with seriously compromised health are pulled forward by anything from a couple of days to a year or so, leaving fewer frail people to die in the subsequent year. Furthermore, if a successful intervention was developed against the pathogen, such as a safe and effective vaccine that hastened the development of herd immunity and protected medically fragile people against serious illness, we would expect to see mortality decline even further below baseline, as the lives of those closest to death are prolonged somewhat by such an intervention. Let's see how these predictions stack up against measurable reality. Total mortality 
Notably, mortality was lower in 2020, the year of the deadly new virus, than the average of the previous five years by all measures, while it increased in 2021 and 2022. Specifically, the Age Standardised Death Rate, or SDR, for the years 2015 to 2019 was 459 per 100,000 people versus 424.5 in 2020 and 431 in 2021. The SDR for the entire year of 2022 is not yet available, but the SDR per month in 2022 was above the baseline average from January through to August. The number of deaths that occurred between the 1st of January and the 30th of September 2022, that's 144,650 deaths, was a full 16% above the baseline average. I'm sure I don't need to point out that these additional deaths occurred after the vast majority of the adult population and a substantial proportion of the child population received at least two injections of a transfection agent that was supposed to end the pandemic. The graph that I've reproduced in the post accompanying this podcast episode really tells the tale. I'd encourage you to take a look at it. And when you do, note the regular mid-year surges in mortality in 2015 to 2019. These correspond with the winter respiratory illness season. 2017 was a particularly severe flu year, and you'll see that the mortality spike in that year was higher than the other years. You should note also the departure from this pattern in 2020, with a series of pre-winter mortality spikes correlating with lockdowns, and a blunted mid-year spike. Note also the larger mid-year spike in 2021 compared to 2020 and the huge spike in mortality early in 2022, a time of year when mortality is typically very low in Australia, followed by a massive mid-year surge. COVID-attributed mortality. Turning our attention to deaths involving COVID-19 throughout the pandemic period, in 2020, COVID-19 was the 38th leading cause of death in Australia, it was considered to be part of the causal chain of 898 deaths. In 2021, 1,122 deaths were attributed to COVID-19, making it the 34th leading cause of death. Complete data for 2022 are not yet available, but between January and September 2022, 8,160 deaths were certified by a doctor as being due to COVID-19, making COVID-19 the fifth leading cause of death that occurred in that time period. Interestingly, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the ABS, now lists a separate category of deaths with COVID-19, that is, with COVID-19 certified on the death certificate as a contributing factor, but not as the underlying cause of death. There were 175 such deaths in September 2022 alone. Not only is total mortality moving in the opposite direction to what we would predict if A, herd immunity was developing, and or B, a safe and effective vaccine had been deployed, but COVID-specific mortality is increasing too. But why? What's driving the excess mortality? To examine the impact of the transfection agents on overall mortality, Denis Rancourt and his co-authors compared mortality data derived from the Australian Bureau of Statistics in the pre-injection era running from the declaration of a pandemic by the World Health Organization on the 11th of March 2020 until the beginning of the injection rollout in mid-April 2021 to the post-injection era. They note that there was, quote, no detectable excess all-cause mortality in the pre-injection phase of the declared COVID-19 pandemic. However, all of that changed once the injection rollout began. Quote, starting in mid-April 2021, the all-cause mortality per week in Australia shows a sustained increase of greater than 10%, 
during which it never returns to its seasonal low value of approximately 3,000 deaths per week and attains highs of over 4,000 deaths per week in June, July and August 2022. Over the measured period of the stepwise increase in all-cause mortality from mid-April 2021 through August 2022, in which time there was a 14% larger all-cause mortality than in recent pre-vaccination periods of, of the same time duration, 62 million administered vaccine doses, there are 31 plus or minus 1,000 excess deaths of all causes in Australia, whereas no excess deaths are detected in the prior 13-month period since a pandemic was declared, that's mid-March 2020 through mid-April 2021, end of quote. That quote is from a paper called Probable Causal Association Between Australia's New Regime of High All-Cause Mortality and its COVID-19 Vaccine Rollout. Drilling down even deeper into the data, Ryan Corridale found that the initial injection rollout in 2021 was followed by surges in mortality, while the unseasonal mortality spike in early 2022 tracked the booster campaign to a remarkable degree. And I strongly encourage you to check out the graphs from Rancor's paper, which I have placed in the post accompanying this podcast episode. Defenders of the transfection agents will no doubt argue that most of these excess deaths are due to COVID-19 itself, not the injections. There are several rebuttals to this claim. Firstly, as Rancor et al. point out, quote, the excess mortality in the vaccination period, that is from mid-April 2021 through August 2022 for Australia, all ages, is 31,000 plus or minus 1,000 deaths, which is more than twice the total number of deaths registered as being from or with COVID-19. That's 14,014 deaths between 1 January 2020 to the week ending 29th of August 2022. End of quote. That is, there were more than twice as many excess deaths in the 16 months after the injection rollout began than deaths that were associated with infection with SARS-CoV-2 using absurdly loose criteria that are not applied to any other respiratory viral pathogen throughout the entire 28-and-a-half-month pandemic period. Even if some deaths that were genuinely due to COVID-19 were not included in the toll, which is unlikely given the zeal of medicos to diagnose the condition, there is no way that all the excess deaths could be attributed to it, especially those in younger individuals with no risk factors for a severe case. Secondly, the injections were supposed to protect against serious illness and death from SARS-CoV-2 infection, and public health authorities still continue to claim that they do exactly this. Yet excess deaths only began piling up after the transfection agents were inflicted onto the traumatised public who were manipulated, cajoled and eventually bullied on pain of financial and social penalties into accepting these experimental treatments. Furthermore, there was a distinct shift in the demographics of those who died of or with COVID-19 during the Delta wave running from July to December 2021 which coincided with both the rollout of the transfection agents to younger people and the imposition of workplace mandates and exclusion of uninjected people from social participation. Namely, people who died of or with COVID-19 during the Delta wave had a younger median age at death and were more likely to be from a lower socioeconomic background and therefore more reliant on maintaining employment. And finally, the larger surges in excess mortality have occurred in 2022 during the Omicron wave, and yet the Omicron variant is universally acknowledged to be markedly less lethal than earlier variants. As Rancor and his co-authors put it, quote, the question is unavoidable. 
Why would Australians suddenly, at the start of the vaccine rollout, start dying in excess of something mostly, if not entirely, other than COVID-19 after 13 months of a declared pandemic during which there was no detectable excess or cause mortality? End of quote. And, I would add, why would the deaths accelerate at the point where SARS-CoV-2 had transitioned to endemic status, becoming little more than a common cold virus? And no, the arguments that all those excess deaths are due to delayed effects of COVID-19, long COVID, lockdowns or reduced quality of healthcare are not tenable, as demonstrated in a post by Martin Neal and Norman Fenton, which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode. But is this excess mortality really such a big deal? The Australian Institute of Actuaries thinks so. In December 2022, they calculated excess mortality of 13% using ABS data, which they described as, quote, incredibly high, end quote. Spokeswoman for their COVID-19 mortality working group, Karen Cutter, didn't mince her words, quote, mortality doesn't normally vary by more than 1% to 2%, so 13% is way higher than normal levels. I'm not aware of anything comparable in the recent past, but I haven't gone back and looked historically. They talk about the flu season of 2017 being really bad, and the mortality there was 1% higher than normal, so it's well outside the range of normal, end of quote. And that quote is from an article called Excess Deaths in Australia Incredibly High at 13%, Actuaries Institute Analysis of ABS Data. Ms. Carter went on to list a number of possible contributing factors, including a harvesting effect after two years of low flu deaths, exacerbation of cardiometabolic disease by COVID-19 and reduced healthcare provision, all of which have been shown to be not connected to the increased excess mortality by Neil and Fenton and by Rancor et al. Oddly, she dismissed outright any link between the experimental transfection agents and the 15,400 excess deaths that her own institute calculated had occurred between January and August 2022, while admitting she can't back her own claim. Quote, there is zero evidence that vaccines are causing these deaths, as far as I'm concerned, but I cannot prove it. End quote. Indeed. Ms. Cutter called for an urgent investigation by the Australian government into the unprecedented level of excess mortality in 2022. Her frustration and alarm were very evident. Quote, I feel like somebody should be doing something, but I don't know who and what. End quote. Apparently, it just doesn't occur to well-meaning professionals like Karen Cutter that the government has no desire whatsoever to launch an investigation into the tsunami of excess deaths that has crashed down upon its population. Perhaps she should have a chat with the MD-PhD who writes on Substack under the pseudonym R. Khan Syed, just say it a couple of times, you'll get it, who attempted to draw attention to the horrific excess mortality back in August 2022 in a post called Australia's Excess Death Toll Just Keeps Getting Worse, which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode. But this post was met with deafening silence from government and its propaganda poodles. Quote, there were over 25,000 reads of that short article, and not one media or government representative attempted to make contact to discuss it. I guarantee that they know that it was being discussed. Instead of enacting an urgent investigation, their response instead was to try to make the data look better and find some excuse. End of quote. That quote was from a more recent post on Arcmedic's blog, called The Australian Bureau of Lies, Damned Lies and Statistics. 
The good doctor also pointed out that the number of excess deaths represented a nearly nine standard deviation, that's a nine sigma increase, and shared a handy-dandy chart from Wikipedia, which again I've reproduced in the post accompanist podcast episode, which illustrates how often you might expect to see events at each sigma level. So an event that occurred at say a two sigma level would occur roughly every three weeks, at a three sigma level once a year, at a four sigma level every 43 years or twice in a lifetime, five sigma every 4,776 years, that's once in recorded history, at a six sigma level once in every 1.38 million years, that's twice in the history of humankind, and a seven sigma event would occur every 1.07 billion years, that's four occurrences in the history of Earth. You'll note that the table stops at seven sigma. I guess there's not much point in going beyond that, Miss Cutter naively insisted that the large volume of excess deaths could not possibly be due to the experimental transfection agents because only 947 reports of death occurring in the context of these agents have been received by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, or TGA, and of these, just 14 deaths have been confirmed by TGA as likely related. However, as former AMA President Dr. Karen Phelps recently pointed out, adverse events are vastly underreported because of the pressure placed on doctors to get in line with the public health narrative. Quote, Vaccine injury is a subject that few in the medical profession have wanted to talk about. Regulators of the medical profession have censored public discussion about adverse events following immunisation, with threats to doctors not to make any public statements about anything that might undermine the government's vaccine rollout or risk suspension or loss of their registration. End of quote. And that quote was from Dr. Karen Phelps' submission to the Parliamentary Committee on Long COVID and Repeated COVID Infections. I've linked to her submission in the post accompanying this podcast episode. But beyond the intentional underreporting, doctors often fail to recognise adverse reactions to vaccines, including the COVID transfection agents, because they do not understand the multitude of ways that these products can exacerbate existing pathologies and cause new ones. And in the next podcast episode, I'm going to summarise some of the most well-studied mechanisms by which COVID injections can cause injuries and death. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.